Welcome to the WDND Roleplay Radio Podcast. My name is Cliff. Hey, and this is Jason, and we'll be your host for our discussion of all things RPG and occasional tangents into other areas of Greek culture. I said Greek again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this week we will be discussing a little used resource when it comes to inspiration for game masters looking to breathe a little life into their campaign worlds, or players when they're looking for that new new spin to bring in one of their established classes in the game that we play. And that's old school animation, not Greek classical literature. Sorry. (laughs) And we'll also be sharing our thoughts on the few sessions that we did uh, with the G.I. Joe role-playing game. Uh, We'll give you some of our thoughts on that. Yeah, our our thoughts on that. Uh, During during the end of our most recent uh, session with that, I, I had a, a comment that I, I sent to my game master companion here, Jason, and um, that that simply said that this game is similar enough to rules that I know that makes it feel like I should be able to play it easy, but it's different enough that I kind of struggle finding the exact rules that change things up um it it is a very good port of a lot of the standard d20 stuff that so many people are used to at this point um it it has a handful of stats only four instead of six and they they don't have all that mystical malarkey so they can get away with a few less stats because of that um and combat is is pretty similar, but the way that they handle skills, and then the way that that in, in effect changes the way that your character is able to do some of these basic things, is is drastically different. It's not just here's a score, here's your here's your target number. Um, there's an entire new mechanic of dice. That, that they've added in there. And in a lot of ways, it feels like they've they've taken a, a, a bologna sandwich and opened it wide open and added an entire layer of, I don't know, cream cheese in the middle of it and then like slammed it back together and go, look, it's different. You know, it's... Uh, now, it, it's it a, has... A it's complex. Elements. Yeah, it has the elements. It, it gives you the feel of not necessarily the television show, more of like the comic. Um, if you followed it, especially the Marvel run uh, that started it, the whole thing. Um, I'm definitely going to delve into that. I do have a Marvel limited um, subscription, so I get to access all the entire Marvel library, so I can go and check that out. Um, so. We're going to continue with it. You know, we did some vehicle uh, combat, which is a another aspect of the game, which we had to, you know, learn very small. We did it in small steps. We didn't go crazy. We didn't have, we did ground combat, you know, ground vehicles. And we'll, we'll get into, you know, more aerial vehicles like helicopters and jets and what have you. Um, but so far, so good. We just have to get into it a bit more 
And I am looking forward to <clears throat> delving into the vehicle combat a little bit more because if, you know, vehicles are such a important thing in any type of military campaign, often, you know, sometimes it's just going to be like boots on the ground, uh, you know, trudging through the jungles and stuff like that for, for a military game. But if, if this is, if this rule system works really good for vehicle combat, it may actually be a pretty good stand-in for airship combat, which is something that, you know, we're going to be looking at in Eberron very soon, possibly. And a lot of the stuff that I've seen either from the D&D modules that reference ship combat, like uh, Salt Marsh, it, it had, Fifth Ed has some, you know, ship combat stuff in there that's kind of lacking. I've seen some like homebrew stuff out there that that has some stuff for ship combat and airship combat, but they're all kind of uh, they kind of go left field in their own direction. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if this company's sh- vehicle combat, which you know is is very self-contained and supposed to work for jeeps and trains. And, and helicopters all. and ships, you know, it, it should be able to work all the way from the top and the bottom of the spectrum. How well that would fit the standard uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons airship. So, you know, that, that'll be another thing that we're going to be looking at and uh, possibly something that you might be able to look at this G.I. Joe game and help you out in your other games. So from like our t- two sessions of of doing it, you know, basic combat stuff. Um, would you still give it uh, like one to ten? What do you think? I'm, I'm giving it like a seven, eight. So uh, right now, I'm kind of sitting on a six. Is it's not my score's not low enough that I'm like groaning every time I think about playing it again. Mm. And I, the there, there's things that I like and things that I hate about the mechanics because. Like when you play D and D and you get a certain amount of skills as a player, as a, as a fighter, you cannot take the uh, proficiencies that you have and pour them into one place and say, I am specialized in my longsword. You can't, you can't do that in D and D without like maybe feats and stuff like that. Maybe class features might let you get really good with it, but it like saying you're going to be really good with it. It's only going to be like a plus one that you get from this. And, you know, maybe a class feature that lets you do X every once in a while with this system, you can pick a specific type of weapon or, thing that you do in combat maybe it's martial arts maybe it's swinging an axe maybe it's whatever i mean like if you're going to play a a gi joe character that was a lumberjack you're going to be really fucking good with an axe and that's going to show in combat because you can specialize in it Mm -hmm. and that specialization is amazing because if you had something like that in D &D, then you could specialize in religion as a cleric you could specialize in stealth as as a road you know though that is a really nice mechanic that they've got in there and uh in in this game system you roll a d20 and then you have a number of pips that determine how many how much of a bonus dice you get a one pip in a skill gets you a d2 
two pips gets you a D4, three pips gets you a D6, and it keeps going. Now, normally, if you just have the skill and you have three pips in it, you roll a D20 and a D6 because you have three pips. And you just take both of the dice, add them together. But if you're specialized, you roll all of those bonus dice and you take the best result. And and that that means that you've got a really good chance of getting a higher number with your skill dice that way. Right. And, and, if, and with all those ahead. dice that you roll, if you roll, like, say you specialized in what, whatever, let's say just targeting, which is, you know, shooting and aiming and stuff, you and you have three pips in it, that's a D2, D4, D6. Right. And if you, let's say you roll all those dice and you get on the D6, you roll a six, that's considered like a critical hit. So there's extra effects that can happen on the hit. And that's just listed in what, uh, whatever weapon that you're using. So mm-hmm. that, that comes in handy sometimes. And, and there's things in the combat that can reduce your, your dice and increase your dice that right. they can shift it up and down. So like if you're specialized in targeting, and you're in a situation that gives you a shift, you, you know, your character that normally would get three dice and have a D6, if it shifts up twice, now you're in D10 territory, and if you're specialized, you're still rolling all the dice. So specialization, if you get extra dice, is even more powerful. And that that really helps ex- explain, like in a, in a cinematic way, when these people who are very good with a ninja sword, like Snake Eyes, if he can sneak up on somebody, he's going to chop some arms off because he's rolling <laughs> with such a high amount of bonus dice. And then he's got – he's crazy. His 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 base attribute in it is just through the roof because he's like a star of the franchise. Now, that part of it I like. And, and for like, like the number crunching point whore that I am, I like that part. But – it's it's where in the fine print, like it's this skill not specialized. Well, no, you're only using this dice and and that. People that are used to just having oh, I roll a d20 and so plus six. That's a huge jump, and it, you know not right. just for me, but for everybody else. It's it, it's it's a pretty significant jump. It's it's like, it, it, man, it's I don't know. It's 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 almost like going over to England and suddenly having to remember every time you sit in the car, you're not only on the other side of the car, but you have to make sure you're driving on the other side of the road. Exactly. Every time you look at it, you're, you're mentally like commanding yourself. Don't swerve into oncoming traffic. They're on the wrong side of the road. No dumbass. You're on the wrong side of the road. That's, that's how I constantly feel when I'm looking over the rules. I have to remember that things are different. Yeah. It's, it's familiar to a point, but you got to remember that it is a, a, different type of rule set you have to eject a lot of the fifth ed rule set but you keep so much of it too yeah some of it is the same um they call like there's a time when you roll two die two d20 and take the highest roll that's advantage but they don't call it that right it's edge it's edge and same thing with disadvantage they call it a snag you take it's a a snag because you know those specific rule concepts belong to Hasbro's minions, the evil company Watsi. So that's, <laughs> that's what everybody thinks these days. So. But, you know, we're not really here to talk about villains. We're, we're here to talk about heroes. And we're, talk, mm-hmm. we're here to talk about, like, heroes and things that inspired us when we were younger and kind of turned us into the gamers and GMs that we are today. 
And for Jason and myself, a lot of our inspiration came from the things that were on the television when we were glued to the television. Right. And let, let me let me just take a brief moment and uh, you know just explain something to some of our listeners. There used to be these things, these boxes that people had in their homes that were called televisions. Um, they were not mounted on walls. They sat on floors, and they had a screen on them that were kind, kind of looked like the TVs and computers that we have today. But it was a big box, and, and people would – people together, like you know, multiple people would come together and look at them. Not, not like hold up a screen on the bus and watch stuff and ignore the people around you. I mean, like people would come home from school and run home because Thundercats started five minutes ago, and maybe we didn't miss enough, and maybe we could catch this entire episode. And there was no TV because, right? It wasn't streaming. It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna the new episode just released. I'm going to watch it. No, you. It, it came on ten minutes ago, and you've already missed part of it. That's that was how life used to be. Yeah, especially in when they had cartoons on. Saturday mornings, you got your butt up, no matter how late you stayed up, like myself, I could yep. stay up till two, three o'clock in the morning, but damn it, I'm not missing D&D at like 10 o'clock in the morning. So I made sure I was up and glued to that television, period. So we have our that's favorites, but we're, we're going to talk about the shows that did inspire us and you we use those kinds of concepts that we learned about in these shows and put them to use in our gaming when we're a, either a dm like myself or player you know sometimes you come into that so the first thing that i'm going to talk about is a show that started in like the 70s it was came from japan it was called battle of the planets also known as g-force and it had in my opinion it at least from when I first saw it, it had it was the first of the shows that incorporated the five team kind of concept where you had specific archetypes and that bled over into other popular shows in the 80s that we'll, we'll probably get into later. But uh, I wanted to talk about Battle of the Plans because of the fact that it had, it was originally created with more of an older mindset you know it wasn't like a kitty show because it was like explosions and people actually died in the original japanese version <laughs> but they had to of course sanitize it change it a bit make it more palatable to a u.s audience for like kids and little kids so you know nobody died on the show and things like that and there was other stuff that was in there that you know probably was a little bit not for us youngins but anywho it it had these concepts like there was the leader guy which uh mark was the leader he gave all the instructions he was the the dude he was that dude um but you also had jason who was the hothead he he was all about himself he was rash he was boastful he didn't respect authority too much he did his own thing he was kind of like that archetype where you have someone in the party that likes to do their own thing. We talked about that on several podcasts that like to go against the grain. That's kind of what he was. And then you had the girl, which was princess. Yeah. Just to have, in my opinion, just to have a female in a group that was 
badass. She did her thing. She was just as capable as the rest of the team. You know, it's still in the late 70s, early 80s, so it was still kind of a damsel type of thing. You know, there was some times where they had to rescue her, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But still, you got to think about the time period. But it was still a good thing for for little girls to see this uh, girl jumping up there, getting involved, fighting, you know, beating people up, using her powers, you know, effectively. And then you had the kid, which is Kiop. Um, you had a young person. Uh, the rest of them were teenagers, but this we're talking about preteen, tween, you know, 12, maybe 11 years old. Kid running around with the big dogs. You know, he had, was just as capable, but he was, Kiop was more comic relief in a way, but it, the template was still there that bled into other shows that used that formula. And then, of course, you had, which could be interchangeable, you had the big guy, which was, they called him Tiny, and then in that show, he was, you know, the friendly guy. He was like, you know, big and and gentle giant. And, you know, he was the tech guy. He flew the ship, all that kind of stuff. Just as capable as the rest of them, but he was pretty much the pilot, you know, and he did his own thing. But that kind of bled over into other shows being, you know, you have those other four templates that I mentioned, the leader, the hothead, the girl, and the kid. But then either you had another big guy or you had maybe you put in like maybe an ethnic person like a latino or a black guy cuz all these kids were white but you know same thing so you had that was the beginning of that template and that's kind of inspired me i was like okay these are cool kids doing cool stuff beating up people you know that kind of stuff so that's why i wanted to bring that particular show up Hey everyone, this is Jason from the WDND Roleplay Radio Podcast. Just giving you a short bit about my book that I've written called Broken Circle. Now, Broken Circle is a fiction novel and it follows the lives of three friends from college that have reunited after graduation. Uh, you have Corey, who's a wealthy heir to a real estate fortune. Uh, he's trying to escape his family's expectations. You, you have Jelaine, who is a television executive. She's working her way up to the top. Uh, she has a bit of a secret that no one knows about. And there's also Tim, who is a football player, who's he's attempting a comeback. There's a lot of twists and turns in this book. If you like soap operas or dramas like that, you'll enjoy this book. There's also a whole list of other characters that you'll find very interesting. And there is, of course, the soap twist. So you never know what's going to happen. So please check this book out. It's called Broken Circle by me, Jason Jose. And you can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on Barnes & Noble website. You can get it uh, digital, you can download it through Kindle, or you can get a paperback copy. So check it out, Broken Circle. And those are all good points. And you're right, the Battle of the Planets does seem to be the, the framework for a lot of things that would come later on in animation. Uh, my first one that I want to go over is another old, old animated show, but it also sets the framework for a lot of other shows of the time and another show uh, much more recent that some people might be more familiar with. But this show is Johnny Quest. Mm. And Johnny Quest, I loved it because the little group of adventurers went to exotic lands and they 
fought big threats. Another thing I liked about it is that it had like two main adult characters and then it had the kids. The show was primarily about what the kids did mm-hmm. and it kind of gave viewers a look into the life of an adventurer, not so much as like it was a young kid that was off doing his own thing, but like how as a GM you can have an NPC that kind of is a mentor to the group that doesn't do everything for the group. You know, anybody that whose GM is repeatedly creating an omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient DMPC that's always there doing everything for the party, they need to be tied to a chair and made to watch Johnny Quest because as awesome <laughs> as Race Bannon is and as smart as Dr. Quest is, they are not the stars of the show, but Johnny and Haji are. They're the ones running from the enemy. They're mm-hmm. the ones that are finding the traps. They're the ones that are doing most of the stuff. Now, every once in a while, Doc and Race come in and they maybe save the day and do whatever, but they're not always hogging all the limelight and the adventure. And there's a lot of times that GMs that that feel like they don't have enough players and they need to insert a PC to help round out the group, they fall into that trap. So, you know, Johnny Quest is a really good place to mine for not just adventures to unique locales, but how to, like, manage that divide between a main character and a support character. And, you know, I, I could go on and on about that show's spiritual descendant, the Venture Brothers, because <laughs> Venture Brothers kind of flips the script because it's it's got an A show and a B show because there's usually shit going on with the, the adults and the sons in the Venture Brothers. So it's got multiple main characters. And I, I, I got to say that the, the, I, the other thing that I love about that show is that, both of those shows, is that they're constantly going to places and doing weird shit and they have like a network of enemies and they're fighting the minions of the enemies but they're never getting to a point where they are beating the main bad guy because they're reoccurring and that's nice a, a nice kind of skill to cultivate as a GM because it makes that final confrontation with villain X that much sweeter. When you've had to work your way through multiple layers of the onion and finally defeat them, that's nice. Now in a cartoon, you know, you, you want to have that villain available in season two, season three, season four. So maybe they will never beat them. But you know, in D and D in role-playing games, you got to give them a chance to finally beat the enemy at the end of season two. Right. And then don't bring them back because then that cheapens their previous victory. <laughs> but that's that's what I love about Johnny Quest. Now, just thinking about setting, uh, a good show to bring up is Thundercats. I totally dug Thundercats. I like the premise that they are from an, this other planet that got destroyed. They're settling in on this new planet of third earth and running into all sorts of different inhabitants and creatures. They have the one big bad villain. Then they have like the secondary villains running around it that either want to take something from them or want to do something in the area that they're in. I I find it interesting because 
it had a lot of exploration type of elements to it. You're on this new planet. You're trying to carve your way uh, to make, it's like a survival type of thing. And you also meet with other cultures. Um, you are willing to help these other cultures if they're being exploited by these villainous creatures and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a good show to take from certain elements, especially if you want to do like a, an exploration, the great unknown, you know, finding out what the big bad is all about. So I, I go for Thundercats with that. Okay. Thundercats was one of those uh, when I was making the uh, bus analogy thundercats came on probably about 15 minutes before i got home so it was one of those shows that i could always watch like half of and i was like what the hell is going on right. so you know i was like I, I i was never able to get into it because i could only catch the tail end of it and eventually i just gave up and you know it would suck because it took a while you know when when i had to ride the bus for 45 minutes I go to school and my buddy Roger be like, oh, Thundercats was so awesome. I'd be like, I don't want to talk to you right now. You know, <laughs> so like, I always hated that so you much. You had to ride a bus? I had to walk. But yeah. I, my school was right down the street. It was yeah, like I, a block away. So it was, it was a pretty, that, that's, hey, but I read a lot of books on that bus growing up. So, but another car, a cartoon that I watched and loved way before uh, I was able ever able to touch any role-playing stuff was the D&D cartoon. And it's funny because the cartoon came out right about the time that the Satanic Panic was starting to take hold. You know, I don't, it's so funny. Like, it's okay as a cartoon, but don't you bring any of the devil books in my household. But uh, the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon was probably one of the things that, that – spurred the imagination of a lot of people in our generation's interest in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it definitely was like a mass market push for this silly little board game, this tabletop game. And it took a lot of elements of the game and, and just kind of like gave them a pop culture spin before people even understood what pop culture was. So uh, again, they, they, they kind of went with a little bit of the format. There was the leader, there was the hothead, there was the kid, there was the girl, two girls, and you know, a redhead and you know, the the, the dark skinned girl, and you know, they were they were both cute in their own way. And um, then and they had two kids. One of them was the nerdy kid, and then one of them was the little brother. And they they that group, uh, you know, you, you kind of saw them. Uh, for for a brief moment in the new D and D movie, which was a, an amazing homage back to this yes. cartoon, but you know, uh, even to this day, you're gonna see bits and pieces of the Dungeons and Dragons stuff kind of like popping through in in like the art and stuff. I mean, uh, Hank's bow is one of the most requested things that I see mm -hmm. when people play a ranger. I want to play a uh, ranger in the yeah. first place. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's like those, those characters and what they went through. Uh, it, it was the first exposure to a lot of the standard Dungeons and Dragons things that are out there. And so it might be odd to have this cartoon on a list of things that inspire your Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I like, about it was that it took people that did not know anything about that world and each episode was a teaching moment for the group 
And if you've got a lot of players that are new to Dungeons and Dragons, aside from what they've seen on Critical Role or wherever, you know, if they've only know Dungeons and Dragons from watching the kids roll the math rocks on Stranger Things, they're not going to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, the game. So not only do you as the game master have, have to like paint this world in their imagination, you got to teach them the mechanics too. And Dungeons and Dragons kind of did that to a pretty wide audience back in the day. Yes. And honestly, I was playing D&D before the show came out, but <laughs> but it was good to see that you know it was being represented on television and it wasn't like a dirty little secret you know type of thing not that we had to deal with that satanic panic shit where i was from our parents just didn't worry about it too tough because we were all in the house we weren't running the streets or doing all sorts of you know detrimental stuff to get us locked up so as long as we were in the house (laughs) (laughs) but the next um, show that we're going to get into, uh, I think, lends to the storytelling, especially storytelling of a longer arc, an epic type of thing. This is Robotech. This is my number one show. I couldn't miss it. I, I, I had to have it when it was out on VHS, you know, them big old cassette tapes that you put in a VCR. I had them you know, all that kind of stuff. So I know a lot about this show. And the main thing was that it had a great storytelling arc. You started you with characters, they developed them. You saw them go through changes. You saw them grow. You saw some of them actually die. Now, that was the first show like that, that they actually showed a character dying two characters in the first series and, and well just to see people dying in general because it was just you combat after combat after combat you saw the valiant efforts of the earth forces you know getting beat the hell up so it, it was a great storytelling thing that you can grab all sorts of elements from it you can take what what happens if you are as in try to you find out that this whole earth culture is different from yours. You want to learn more about it, that you can mine that kind of element. You can mine if you are into the romantic type element, you can have characters that may or may not fall in love, love triangles, all sorts of stuff. I'm a big soap fan. So I love that aspect <laughs> as well. I was going to say that Jason, I was, I was going <laughs> to let you, I was going to let you run your explanation all the way out. And uh, I was going to say like, you love Robotech because it's a soap opera soap with opera. giant robots. That's exactly. why you love Robotech. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, couldn't miss it. Couldn't miss it. And, and just the continuing drama and the way, and it was, Everybody, well, most people know that it was three different shows that they merged together and tried to make a cohesive storyline in different eras. So I think they did that well because it still stands to this day as a good show. And there's plenty of stuff you can use from each of the uh, segments of that series. <laughs> well, my next one is uh, <laughs> it was a show that was destined for failure. Um, <laughs> It was also a group of people that came together to defend the Earth. Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> the name of the group was Defenders of the Earth. And it's 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 an odd choice because it does not have that big of a footprint in pop culture. It was a one-season cartoon that was created by 
a newspaper animation syndicate. But basically, the, these were characters that were part of like the dailies. You know, these little uh, serial adventures that were like five or six panels would be published. And tune in next tomorrow for the next installment of The Phantom. And these the the, the main characters were were the Phantom. There there was a movie in the nineties made on this guy, uh, Flash Gordon, which he's been in back and forth in, in pop culture from time to time. Uh, and then a guy called uh, Mandrake the Magician. And then and then some other characters that were like surrounding them. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this up is that not they they were facing one villain from one of those characters, Ming the Merciless, the, the most famous of of their villains. But it was multiple characters from all over the place that came together against one threat. Mm-hmm. And each week you you saw a little bit about what was going on in each one of their kind of like backstories. You know, the Phantom, he got his abilities because of jungle law and, you know, his, his descendants did something noble and now all of the Phantoms can do blank. Mandrake the Magician is the master of magic and he studied with X, Y, and Z. And Flash Gordon, he's some space guy that went to space, came back, and he had a really big enemy from outer space. So you got like three totally different backgrounds. Sound like anything else you're familiar with? Like that Dungeons and Dragons party with backstories from all over the place? So, like, this show took three characters that had nothing to do with each other and, like, on a weekly basis threw them into stuff. And, you know, each one of the other characters, they're together for reasons, you know? And and that that is the kind of cohesiveness that's built because of what happens during the adventure. And, and, you know, it's nice when two people make up a character, two, two people make up two characters and they're like, oh, well, our characters have known each other for a long time. But it's, it's when the other characters meet and then they choose to become part of the, the gaming group. That's kind of, you know, as, as a GM and players, those are the kind of things that, that, are, that are cool. You know, how are you going to integrate this new person into the group? How long before they're one of the, one of the team or just the fucking new guy? You know, and yeah, I'm talking to my friend that's the fucking new guy that just joined our Friday night group. You know, it, we're, we're role playing that little, you know, thing right now. So, you know, we, yes, we, we've had a brand new cast member that's come in in like season five of our Friday night adventure. And, you know, it's a little rough getting things started, but maybe by the middle of the season, he'll be one of the team. You know, so, you know, that's kind of what I liked about Defenders of the Earth. That there was just three guys from all over the place and they're together to do this great thing. And that is, that speaks to me a lot for like a lot of like gaming groups. Right. Banded together from across different galaxies. Wow. Sounds familiar. Next one. Yes. (laughs) Super friends. So we're going to talk about that show. Of course it's super friends. The based on the DC comic characters, Superman, Batman, you know, everybody, Wonder Woman. Can we just say Justice League? Justice League. Plus everybody else. Plus everybody else. <laughs> so, of course, you can mine if you're doing, especially if you're doing superhero uh, campaigns or superhero games, and, you know, you can take Villain X from the Super Friends or whoever you want to use uh, for that. Um, but more importantly, it went into different 
eras. The Super Friends had like multiple seasons where they they started with the what was it the Wendy and Marvin thing and you know the lesson of the the week type thing. God, I can't <laughs> remember. Then, the show was on for so <laughs> long. It's it was on for a little while. Yes, and sometimes they did lots of retreads and stuff. But when they got to um, where it was challenges to friends, we were actually seeing the actual DC villains, you know, Lex Luthor and uh, Bizarro and Black Manta, who nobody knew was black, but <laughs> you know, and um, all of them, Cheetah and, and whatnot. So that, that made a good impression on for me, you know, being a big comic book fan to see those characters animated as a youngster you know right four, five six you know type of stuff and you know progressed further and further on so definitely a show that you can go back it's you got episodes on youtube you can see some of the wild plots that they use oh my god yes <laughs> you could try and incorporate that in your game if you want to but it, it's always inspiration. You, you never know what you can find. And uh, you know, one of my things I, I love about Super Friends is that it was it was the first time seeing, like Jason said, you know, comic book characters on on a screen and having them have voices to me. I mean, there, there have been mm-hmm. other incidences of that before Super Friends, but in my youth, this was the big one. This every Saturday, watch this, come hell or high water. And like mm-hmm. the the words, meanwhile in the Hall of Justice, those <laughs> words still echo in my soul. And I'm I'm a 50 year old guy, so mm-hmm. that show, I, I I don't remember it good enough to list incidents where I could mine it for inspiration. But I know it's definitely a big inspiration for me. Um, now, one that I watched a lot, which Jason may differ in my opinion here, mm-hmm. but. The next one I'm going to talk bad about and then explain why it's here for inspiration to what to stay away from. And then I'm going to give Jason enough rope to hang me with what I'm about to say, because the cartoon He-Man is an absolute animation example of main character syndrome brought to life. Because, yeah, He-Man is absolutely the star of the show because it's He-Man. I mean, it might as well be called He-Man and his amazing friends that aren't quite as amazing as He-Man. You know, every (laughs) week there's like a special boutique character with this one weird ability that might be useful in this one situation. Except at the end, He-Man's just going to beat the crap out of whatever the enemy is anyhow. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's uh, maybe a little bit of similarity with that in our Friday night game, but I digress. Well, the, the whole thing that I, when I look at He-Man, you know, you got, you got the weird cast of characters and the villain that's like constantly throwing like, you know, I, I could say, I got ready to say <laughs> nameless henchmen, but no, every one of them henchmen had an absolutely yeah. puntastic name. Exactly. And most of his allies did too, but it's again it's the main character syndrome like everything in that cartoon as much as it might be like D adjacent it's it's always based around that conflict between the main character and the main adversary 
And it's, it's a very good example of what not to do in your narrative world. You can, I mean, you can, the, the, the crazy cast of characters that were around him are kind of cool, but you don't want all the focus to be on that one character. And at the end of the day in animation, that's what I took away from He-Man because I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, every He-Man episode was kind of the same thing. So yeah, I mean, Skeletor had the greatest shade ever. That know? is true. I mean, if if yeah. if if somebody, oh God, I shouldn't say this out loud because somebody's going to like scan me with the mind ray and put this on the internet. But if somebody wants to get like the absolute perfect cut down track back and forth, if they go through the Clone Wars and take out Obi Wan Kenobi, the Jedi Master of shit talking all of his stuff out of the Clone Wars and then splice that with Skeletor, like the two of them like spitting back and forth at each other, that would be fucking comedy gold. Cause absolutely. Cause you're right. Skeletor, he was, he was a, Don't try he was a idiot. I have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you have the high ground because you don't have a bone to stand on. You know, I could just see the two of them going back and forth with shit like that all the time. <sighs> So now, I, I can't, I don't know what to say about that. I know you're coming from that angle. But I, He-Man was He-Man. Uh, it was the show that was, I, I'm not even going to get into the homoerotic thing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we're going to move on. To another, I, I honestly thought you were going to be like, "Oh, wait, Mister, I like to play characters with strength, and 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 I've been known to be the mouthpiece of the party sometimes." Yeah. I thought I thought you yeah. were going to call me out on that, but too easy. Yeah, I mean, was it too easy? Would yeah. it would it have been too easy? <laughs> okay, all right. Easy. I mean, you don't know yourself. That's good enough for me. Well, I mean, I, everybody I knows it. Exactly. But I, but I try. Unlike He Man, it's not like. So, silence, Orko. Let me explain the magic to the other sorceress. I never do that shit. You know, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> All right, but moving along, <laughs> we're going to get into another show um, that was definitely an inspiration. That is Transformers. It revolutionized television away you had these robots transform into cars and whatnot it had a, a very good comic book run as well so if you were into both you can get all sorts of ideas from the shows as well as comic book um the movie was funny to me <laughs> i always gotta tell this about transformers the movie because it was me and my cousin in the movie theater Watching this, we were like 11, because it came out in like 86, so we came out, I was like 11, 12 years old, something like that, and we're sitting here, a whole bunch of kids, like five, six, seven years old, and when Optimus Prime dies, spoiler alert, Optimus Prime gets, you know, killed and whatnot, all these kids started crying and bawling their eyes out, I'm like, oh my god, they're traumatized, they are just going through it right now, and me and my cousin just look at each other like, okay, he's dead, moving on. <laughs> but anyway, that's another thing you, you, you know you can mine from that the experience of how a character main character or whatever dies or whatever and have to move on and go on from that um, so many different things you can do with 
Transformers, the the new movies, I, I won't comment on, but <laughs> we'll just, we don't got nothing to say about that. So I, what you got? Next? I mean, Transformers is, is, I mean, I had toys and I watched the cartoon. It, mm-hmm. it did, didn't really get any traction with me. I mean, I just, I guess the idea of like somebody's Cadillac turning into a robot and punching an enemy, it just didn't, you know, strike me all that much compared to some people. I don't know. As much as I like robots and other shit, that Transformers was never like that big of a thing for me. But oddly enough, this next one is is another one that kind of like flew under the radar for for quite a while. It's um, Thundar the Barbarian. And Mm. and that one uh, for me is really... It's riffs. It's exactly. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic world where magic has come mm-hmm. back. There's humans. There's sorcery. There's Ukla the Mock, one of the best, mm-hmm. you know, strong guy. You know, and and that's the thing, you know, Jason. You you, you open this up with Battle of the Planets. You got the leader, the hothead, the girl, the kid, and the big ethnic guy. So you know, you got five <laughs> types, and all five of them are represented in one group. But yes. the the leader is the leader, hothead, and the kid all at the same time. <laughs> then there's the girl, and then the ethnic guy. You can't get much more ethnic than the big Ukla the Mock. We don't even know what species he is. I mean, he's called the Mock, but that could be a title. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the race. Mm-hmm. We don't know, because when you ask Ukla about it, he goes, you know, you just don't know. You know, Thunder of the Barbarian, if you've never seen it, it's a... It, it happens on a world after some huge ecological disaster, some war. The moon some, got split in half. I'm like, yeah, damn. It's, it's huge. <laughs> and and, and the, there's just weird shit everywhere. And the main character, he fights for what's right with his sun sword. So is he a paladin? Is he a barbarian? Sources may tell it's you different a, things. It's sword made of light. That's right. Because everybody wanted that shit after Star Wars. That's right. So. It was. It absolutely <laughs> was. I mean, he was like Luke Skywalker with a big Wookiee companion. You know, I mean, it's it basically that cartoon had so much weirdness in it. It's like every week. They were fighting some weird shit, and at the end of the day, it was basically the same fight. Oh no, someone, some village has been threatened. We are going to go save them. Princess Ariel may or may not be captured. Ukla mm-hmm. may actually figure it out before. No, I'm sorry. Ukla will probably figure it out before Thundar. Thundar will be really <laughs> loud and take the credit for everything, and then everybody <laughs> will be happy at the end of the end. Of the day. It's it's so formulaic. But it was so fucking good. It's it's a fantastic show. And like every week you get like this conniving little swarmy guy who like tries to pretend he's a god or a wizard or like the priest of something. And, and usually it's because he's found some old technology from before the cataclysm and he's trying to take over something. You know, it's 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 so, you know, cut and paste and then just change the animation around a little bit, it it's almost bad. But it's it's like watching some of the old kung fu movies. It's so bad that it's good. Um, mm. When people don't understand that concept, and years ago, uh, Jason and I were both members of like this 
uh, website that reviewed movies. Uh, what, what what do they call it? Double double what nowadays? It's double toasted. Double toasted now. Toasted right. Sp- yeah. And when Jason and I remembers the spill.com, uh, my profile, it, it said, it, because it was so movie specific, it's like, what's your favorite movie? What's your least favorite movie? And my favorite movie was Master of the Flying Guillotine. And then my least favorite movie was Master Flying Guillotine. Both, I answered <laughs> the same for the exact same reason. It's so bad that I love it. And it, th- that's kind of how Thundar is for me. But it, if you if you have any inkling of playing any type of like post-apocalyptic game, this yeah. this this show, two seasons of this show, yeah, you you could you could take every episode and just be like, oh, Ud- Udar the the mind uh, weaver that's trying to do such and such to this village. Yeah, that's about three three sessions right there. You know, you could you could definitely you know use this use and abuse and Thundar. no bullshit it is it's riffs it totally is it totally is it totally is and you know ukla the mock is my spirit animal just in case you didn't know. So. <laughs> all right so honorable mentions I, i'm gonna jump in with some honorable mentions um i just gotta list them real quick voltron of course that's the five member team thing breaks down almost the same as battle of the planets um cops uh, the show Cops. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Where you had a futuristic Chicago, you know, going after crime lords and whatnot. And then um, I will throw my last honorable mention, since I am that you know soap opera fan. Gem and the holograms. Oh Got god, pudding. absolutely, Gem was it. Well, I I don't know. I I, I would think like if I was going to have to do honorable mentions. Uh, Brave Star is, is definitely oh, yeah. up there. Um, mm. the Overlord. Space Ghost. Space Ghost space was ghost. some crazy space cosmic shit. Um, you know, cast a, cast of villains from all over the place. Same basic yep. show every time, but it was it was pretty good. And um, I think maybe Brave Star. Did I say Brave Star already? Yes, I Brave said Star. Brave Star. Uh-huh. Um, God, I had another one right on it. Oh, and you know, we, we kind of are talking about the game, but you know, maybe GI Joe, because like yes. GI Joe, aside aside from what we talked about previously about the franchise, the the way that that they incorporate different characters all the time, maybe have like a couple of main ones, but if you get that one person in your in your group that's like constantly like, I don't know what I want to play, well then just let them play a floater and come in and out. And that's what happens right. all the time in the G.I. Joe cartoon. You, you, you'll mm-hmm. have a handful of people that you can always, you know, every episode is going to have Storm Shadow in it. I mean, Snake Eyes in it, probably, maybe. But, you know, there's always going to be like this new person that specializes in blank. And that's because uh, Charlie can't decide what fucking character class he likes best because he's been watching the YouTube videos again. And he thinks this is optimized and he's got to play it this week. But next <laughs> but next week he'll be back to a Hexblade. You know <laughs> so, one more, one more honorable mention. Uh, Space Stars. I don't. It's very obscure. Uh, Space Stars was only one season. It was pretty much retellings or repeats of a lot of Hanna Barbera stuff. Like Space Ghost was definitely one of them. Uh, the Herculoids was another. But they had um, another uh, group called Teen Force. They were running around in the galaxy on these you know, space bikes and stuff. And they all had different powers yet. Comic kid. and a, What was it? Molecular lad. 
and Electra, they all had these different powers. And they fought this dude named Uglor, who was just a big, like, vulture monkey. Because <laughs> he had wings. <laughs> and he was like an ape with wings. And they always had to fight him. And they had Astro in the space much. So you had Astro from the Jetsons, and he was with some other dude and a couple other dogs. And they, they were like comic relief type things. But that was a cool show. But uh, I think we've run. Yeah, I think we've run it, run the clock down this time. Yeah, so uh, we'd love to hear your comments. So, which of these shows do you remember? Which of these shows give you inspiration in your games? We want to hear it. So, just hit us up on Twitter at WDND Podcast and also email us wdndpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we're saying, please like and subscribe and hit that notification bell. Feel free to reach out to us and share your ideas and become part of this conversation. All right. And from everybody here at WDND Roleplay Radio, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Thank you.